Hello, Groundskeepers. Mateo and Andrew here to bring you Match Week 3 Recap Part 2. Hi, friends. In today's episode, we are going to recap the rest of the games from Match Week 3, which are AFC Bournemouth versus Arsenal, Leeds United versus Chelsea, West Ham United versus Brighton and Hove Albion, Newcastle United versus Manchester City, and the craziest game of the weekend, Manchester United versus Liverpool. I'm sorry, did you did you just use Brighton by their first, middle, and last name? Correct. That is so formal of you. We have to let everyone know what the full names are, at least once. We don't have much of an intro for you today. Questionnaire coming soon. Keep sending us your coffee recommendations and keep sharing it with your friends. On to the games. Bournemouth versus Arsenal. Arsenal just absolutely dominated this game. It wasn't even close. We're not really surprised. Arsenal, 14 shots to Bournemouth's 6. The fun fact is that Arsenal had 6 shots on target and Bournemouth had 1. That in itself is not the fun fact. The fun fact is that Arsenal had as many shots on target as Bournemouth had shots total. True, and I'm going to piggyback off of that uh, with a quote from Arteta, the Arsenal manager. He was quoted in saying, We were far from perfect. We conceded too many chances from Bournemouth. Friends, let me just remind you what Mateo said. Bournemouth had six shots or chances the whole game, the entire 90 plus minutes. So you can see what kind of perfection Arteta is looking for from his side. And I'm going to tell you, I think he's on his way to reaching that or putting his his team in that on that pathway honestly i love arteta as a coach right now the man is brilliant now granted they have had an easier schedule compared to some of the other big name clubs in the premier league but we have to give credit to arsenal they are taking care of business every single match and they are beating up on these teams they're not just winning by a little bit they are absolutely dominating these matches arteta has these players in the prime position on the pitch They understand their roles, they know the game plan, they follow the game plan, and they're being led by Jesus, who looks so incredible right now. You can't touch this man. In the fifth minute, when he was dribbling around, it literally looked like the ball was velcroed to his foot. No one could dislodge the ball away from him. Seriously, Jesus take the wheel, because what a signing he's been for Arsenal. Credit to him, credit to Arsenal, credit to Arteta for signing him. That was probably one of the best signings Arsenal's made in a while. Honestly, I think the worst part about that first goal for Arsenal was that Martinelli just absolutely screwed the pooch by not scoring after Jesus dribbled around and between four different defenders. Luckily, Odegaard was able to put it away, um, and while Jesus did not get an assist for this goal, he was the reason Arsenal were in this dangerous position to score. You're right, and also, yeah, let's touch on Odegaard, because what good form he's in right now. Excuse me, very pivotal in the midfield. I will say that the goal that he scored, the one that Jesus bobbled, I am pretty sure that if he had left it, it would not have been a goal. Because if you look at the angle of where Jesus was, to where the defender was, to where the goal was, to which way the ball was rolling, pretty sure it would have been quite easily like just blocked by any Bournemouth defender. So I'm glad that he just stepped in, put his whole entire being into that shot and I will say that Odegaard stole the shot attempt from Jesus, but I agree with you. There is no way Jesus was going to score from that angle. He had no shooting lane. Odegaard had the only shooting lane possible in that situation. So I'm, I'm glad he, he swiped it. 
you know, put a little swiper from Dora the Explorer, just swiped the ball and took the shot for himself. But I do want to point out, the ball to, to Jesus, it came from an overlapping run, which is very similar to the first goal because there was also an overlapping run. And I think that's an important strategy that I believe Arsenal is using. And I, not, I'd have to go back and look. I'm not sure if they use it for the other teams, but they definitely use it against Bournemouth. Arteta saw something in that play. That overlapping run growing up was one of those things you just did not want to do because it involved so much extra work trying to get around the guy with the ball. And honestly, it felt like a waste of time in practice. Like, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and they used this overlapping run multiple times in the game, and they even used it on a free kick, which they scored upon later in the match. So just something I wanted to point out, a little bit of strategy that clearly Arsenal was using for this match. Two, I'm going to give you two fun facts. One is for Bournemouth, because we don't want to leave them out, even if they didn't do too well. On Bournemouth, they have a player whose name is Marcus Tavernier. Uh, his older brother, did I forget how to like speak English? I don't know, but we're definitely keeping that in the final product. His older brother plays for Rangers in the Scottish Premier League. Just a fun fact. Those are not fun facts. It's a fun fact. He's way better than his brother, All right. the one who plays for Rangers. The other, the other fact I wanted to bring in is if you watch Arsenal play, you can see that Arteta is actually really honing in and bringing in Pep's coaching style and coaching methods. You're seeing Ar- Arsenal possess the ball a lot, and you're also seeing their defenders get high up the field which haven't we haven't really seen that from arsenal in a while a because they haven't been that great in the last little bit they're finally turning that ship around b they haven't had the players to do that with now that they've signed players that can really fill those gaps and actually push forward with confidence and then get back that's what's i think giving them the edge to be able to actually implement that style of play rather than it failing when arteta first took over for arsenal i agree i think arteta is Honestly, maybe a genius at this at this sport because he's doing so well. His team is, like we said, clearly dominating. They always seem to have the right strategy for each team that they're playing against, and which is not easy to do in the Premier League. I don't care if you're playing a bottom team; like it's just not easy to change your strategy or to just implement your force and your will upon every other team. Um, there is, on a different note, there is one thing I want to talk about. In the 51st minute, I don't know if you remember this, Arsenal's goalie was interfered with on a punt. So Bournemouth, the player, he was he didn't technically touch the ball nor the goalie while the ball was being punted. So, But it was enough to mess up the goalie so the punt was wrong. He shanked the punt. This was on, this was on the goalie. He should have known a little bit better. But I had an issue with the Bournemouth player who literally pushed the goalie when the goalie had possession of the ball in his hands. You can't do that. You can't just stop the goalie from walking forward to the end of the box like that. That was ridiculous. That should have been a yellow. And honestly, we'll talk about time-wasting strategies when we get to United because I also have something towards the end of that match where a player should have gotten a yellow as well, which I'm sure my my co-host will vehemently disagree with me. We've agreed that Arsenal completely demolished Bournemouth. And also, one quick thing, their, their third goal... William Saliba, groundskeepers, just go look up the highlight because, whew. Oh, you see, uh, I think it was was uh, Zinchenko's re- response to that goal. The man looked like he was praying to the gods, <laughs> and he was I mean, thanking them for a miracle. The goal looked like a miracle. I don't think I've ever seen someone look like they just— He scooped it. He, he just, like, swept it. It just it was just a scoop. He didn't even—it like, doesn't look like he kicked it. He just, like, was just, like, scooped 
scoop into the back of the net. Oh, that ball was so perfectly lofted, far post. But again, the build up to this goal on that free kick, they did an overlapping run. I just want to point that out again. I don't know. I don't know what the team had with that overlap, but they loved it. It worked for them clearly. They got three goals out of it. So I am I am a little bit worried about Bournemouth though. Newly promoted, back to back losses. I don't believe they can get any points from any of the big teams in the EPL unless they like miraculously get a tie. And you know they play Liverpool next week, so I'm a little worried they might be headed for uh, relegation. Put out that fire for a second. They have three points. They're in 15th place. They're above Liverpool and Everton. How many times are you going to bring up Liverpool this mat, this uh, pod? Just, just asking for a friend. And Leicester. I think Bournemouth are they at by see by the end of the season they will probably still be in the in the relegation zone, but I don't know if they will be there all year long. Well, here on the other side, at one point in this match, I was thinking about how good Arsenal was looking. How high do you think they can finish on the table? Arsenal. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to bring up this fun, this other fun fact. The last time Arsenal won their first three games, the last time this happened, it was the Invincibles season. Now, look, I'm not saying that's going to happen again. Are you calling your shot? Are you saying they're going to go undefeated? No, no. Also, groundskeepers, that's what we mean by the Invincibles. That was one of the first times a a team has ever gone undefeated in the entire Premier League season. I don't think they're going to do it, but I'm just saying that was like a stat that one of the commentators brought up that i just wanted to reassess and evaluate with you here on the pod because while i think they're playing well like you said they've had a pretty easy start to the season i think that they are gonna come across some more difficult games with the likes of tottenham newcastle leeds leeds is gonna challenge arsenal i think city will still be able to boss arsenal like they usually do as we always say it's too early in the season but i think that arsenal will with the form that they're in, easily top four. I think as of right now, oh, let me backtrack real quick. Groundskeepers, when we say the team went undefeated, that just means they didn't get a loss. There, w- there was a tie or two in there. Just We just want to clarify that um, for all the groundskeepers. Now, to the current Arsenal, I think they should have their sights set on winning and going to the top of the table. I think realistically, top four should be easily accomplishable for this team. I think going for at least that number two spot is a very realistic goal at this moment. Now Arsenal's getting off to a very hot start, and they haven't played a top club yet. But you know, sometimes when you start beating up on these little teams, your confidence is enough where it can actually help you against those better clubs because you know as a team that you can do well. True. And I think that 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 team togetherness is definitely something that has been lacking for Arsenal in the past. But it seems like they have it now. And if they can keep it together, if they can keep their good form, if they can not make stupid mistakes, if their players can keep their heads, then I think that we're going to see good things from them. And I hate to even say that. And I don't really have much. Oh, wait, I do have one more thing about this match. But it's not about this match. It's about who Arsenal plays next. Did you see the schedule? The Fulham Express. Oh, it is. We are going to get the Fulham Express versus Arsenal. And that's my early favorite for match of the week. There it, there it is. We, we're not even to the preview episode, and Mateo already is pulling out his match of the week. But honestly, I probably would agree with you. That is going to be a dang fun game to watch. Choo-choo, Fulham Express. You better get a win. All right. Well, with that, I think we can move on to the next match. 
Leeds versus Chelsea. This is maybe the upset of, of the weekend. I understand there the United-Liverpool game happened. Leeds was not expected to get anywhere close, and they just dominated with a 3 nothing win. Yeah, this 100%. This was the upset of the weekend. I mean, here's, here's a stat for everyone. Leeds haven't beaten Chelsea in 20 years in any competition. That's any league they've played in, any trophy that they've played for, anything. 20 years. I have another fun fact, another fun stat. Tuchel so far has missed zero matches after receiving a red card. (laughs) (laughs) And did you hear Jesse Marsh's comments about Tuchel coaching in this match? I believe I heard some bits and bobs. Go for it. So someone asked Jesse Marsh about Tuchel and all that, and he was flabbergasted that Tuchel could coach after receiving a red card, which is fair. I vehemently disagree with the EPL allowing Tuchel and Conte, because we already talked about Conte, to coach. They have to miss at least one match. I understand if you don't want to go for the full three, because honestly, I don't think they deserve to miss three full matches like a player does for, you know, just the standard red card. But you got to miss at least one. Like, what is going on here? I, I, I don't like this. I'm glad Leeds, Leeds won because of this. But I just think the whole thing is so stupid. Completely agree with our boy Jesse, good friend of the pod. We'd love to have you on. But no, I am I'm in wholehearted agreement with you. There you should at least have to miss 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 a match. I don't know what the FA and what the EPL are doing. It doesn't make sense. Now they're like now they're setting some sort of weird precedent that you can act like a fool and get away with it. I don't know. And the funny thing is, it's not like the league is trying to protect their managers from missing big games. You know what I mean? Like it's not like these two teams were going out and playing some big name clubs the next week where they're like, Oh well we gotta protect the clubs and the ratings and all that. Like this would have been the perfect time to just be like, you're going to miss one game. Yeah, I don't understand it. Um, did you realize that the Leeds goalkeeper looks like he's about 12 years old? <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> I remember when I first saw when I first saw him, I thought, I'm sorry, can you even drive a car? I mean, I think uh, what's his name? Uh, where's where's he at? Aronson. Brendan Aronson. Yeah, he's like 21. I mean, he can drive a car. He can drink alcohol. Barely. In America. Barely in America. <laughs> okay, Meslier, the goalie for Leeds, is 22. He looks like he's about 12. I'm not even kidding. Do you think Jesse Marsh just feels like he's babysitting sometimes? I mean, maybe. Probably. I mean, he doesn't he have... Isn't this the youngest squad in the Premier League? Didn't second. Say that? Arsenal. Sec- yeah, second. Second youngest. Yeah, it's not by much, though. On- honestly, I-, I could not pump up Jesse Marsh enough about this entire... His entire game plan for this thrashing of chelsea which is something no one ever saw coming dude this their entire strategy is just high energy <laughs> oh yeah it was like they are just they are full court pressing the entire match which i don't know how you're convincing a whole bunch of professional footballers to do because they hate to do that the entire we are taught for, game we are taught for so long like when you're really young you are taught that you press the whole match and then as you grow you get older you you learn that repositioning yourself for defense is more important than pressing the whole match and Leeds said hold my beer <laughs> and they just pressed the entire freaking match i can't imagine the offseason conditioning these players have to go through to be prepared for this because it is not easy to do that for an entire 90 minutes and the first goal for Leeds was literally because of pressing oh. i will say mendy the chelsea's goalie completely messed up he is solely to blame for that first goal terrible first touch he should have known the pressure was coming on to him he should have just one touch cleared the ball out of there 
I don't know what he was thinking. But Aronson, the American, the way he's been playing for this team, I wouldn't be surprised if a big name tries to sign him soon. If a big name club contacts Leeds and is like, hey, how much? And fun fact, Aronson is the first American footballer to score under an American manager in the EPL. I love this. I love this team. I love Leeds. I love their high energy. I I love how much they believe in their coach's strategy. There's so much fun to watch. It was not boring for a single second in this match. No, it was, it was so much fun. Seriously, the high, like the high energy the entire time I was a little bit like baffled by because typically you'll see, I mean, yes, every player at this level is supposed to be conditioned. They're supposed to be able to just run the entire time. But you don't see teams run this hard, this fast for 90 minutes. And for some unknown reason, they they did it, and they didn't look tired. I don't know if they're going to be able to keep this up for an entire season. That's but I'm going to enjoy thinking. it the whole way until it collapses, because at some point, these players are just going to get tired. And I'm not sure that like one of these teams might not figure out this press thing. And if you can break it your forwards are running that goal with no one to stop them. So we'll see if anyone gets there, gets to that point. Because also, it's not just that Leeds is pressing. They always throw multiple guys at the ball so that the passing lanes are being closed. Any attempt to dribble the ball is being just stopped by by a wall. And I cannot say enough good things about this team. I can't even like the level of joy they bring me as a fan. <laughs> you, their energy is infused into anyone watching their matches. It, I mean, it really is. But let as we will talk of bleeds all day long until the cows come home because they deserve it. And Marsh is doing everything right. Let's talk about Chelsea and their non-existent players because I will give you three of them that were a liability the entire game. Can I, I guess one agree. of them? Guess one of them. My boy Havertz. Um, um, I, I don't want to guess the other two because the only one I care about is Havertz. The other two, Connor Gallagher and Ruben Loftus-Cheek. To me, watching the, t- the game the entire time, those two were more liabilities for Chelsea than they were actually helpful any any point of the game. I think he got it wrong putting those players on. Also, Kukurea, the new the new oh signing. my god! I have so many notes about how he's a liability for this team. He's always he near the ball so much. He's always near the ball, but he immediately loses the ball. Doesn't do anything good for this team. I don't understand how he gets so much playing time. He, he was a very random signing from Brighton for like sixty mil out of nowhere, and I don't like. I don't understand where he like necessarily came from. And let's let's go and add, let's ask a question because like like you brought up in our previous. Uh, match week preview are were Chelsea too drained and did they come into this game with just a completely wrong attitude that they were just gonna win I I don't know what was going on with this team you ta- you brought up Pulisic and he's a sub so two things that that made me think of one in the 60th minute I noted that there was still no substitution from Tuchel you are down multiple goals two leads and you still haven't brought on a sub what are you waiting for? There's only 30 minutes left in the match. Like, what are you doing? And two, Pulisic, what do you think was going through his head as he was watching his fellow American teammates absolutely dis- absolutely destroying his current club team? Because I'd be like, I want to leave. I want to join these guys. Like, I want to play with my national teammates and also 
probably have a starting spot on this team. I mean, if I if I am if I'm Pulisic and I'm his agents, uh, I seriously I'm looking at some at looking at something to change because I don't know. I mentioned this last time. I don't know what it is about Tuchel. I don't know if he just doesn't trust him. I don't know if he just thinks that pe- someone deserves a spot that's better than him, which I don't think anyone's better than him. He definitely deserves playing time. And yeah, go go play for Leeds. Go honestly, go play for anybody else. Go. I'm, I'm pretty sure the the whole Manchester United loan is fizzled out, which is fine. But Newcastle, Newcastle, that could be good. I mean, he deserves playing time. He's good enough to be starting in this Chelsea team. He's, he's good out, enough. I mean, he's good enough to be starting in the EPL. Like honestly, absolutely. he he is. Now, granted, it obviously depends on the team, right? Like he's not starting on Man City squad. But there's maybe there's maybe like three teams in the EPL who he wouldn't consistently start for. And I wouldn't even put Chelsea on that list. No. Definitely not. I would if I put a team, if I put teams together, it'd probably be Man City, Tottenham, because they Liverpool. have a lot of depth. See, I right now, right now, Liverpool, I would start him because okay, they are because you got you have to switch something have up. Depth. Yeah, you have to switch something up for them. Like that's their issue. But like, who are you starting him over on that team? Like, I mean, we can go James into that. James Milner, Grandpa. What whoa, the whoa, fuck whoa. are they doing? Starting James him? Milner has the greatest Twitter account of all time. Does he really? It's like a spam account where like he just has the most boring things possible, and it's the funniest account. I'm gonna need to find this. We'll we'll get to Liverpool. We don't have to touch on yeah. them too and much right now. Yeah, we're not gonna start. We'll worry more about Pulisic in the transfer window when we hear more rumors. Yeah, but Tuchel, I think he lets his team down in this match. He clearly was not prepared for Leeds. He apparently didn't get the memo that Leeds just chugs a whole bunch of Red Bull before each match and then runs up on the pitch because. Everyone on this team is like 13 years old, so that sugar rush is really going to just keep them going. And then at halftime, they get another one. They get another Red Bull, and it just keeps them going for the next 45 minutes. So he didn't get that memo. Didn't put on any subs um, until I believe it was like the 63rd, 64th minute, which is for me, personally for me, that's too late. You're already down 2 nothing. You made zero changes at halftime. In fact, I don't think enough coaches make changes at halftime. It is the perfect time to bring on a sub. But a lot of them don't like to do it. They like to implement a new strategy and then stay with the starters, which sometimes you just got to switch up the switch up who starts the second half. Like you just got to pull the trigger, especially if you want a new strategy to win a match. True. And one, let's note this: Tuchel being down three zero. What did he do? He did decide to bring on some substitutes, but he brought on two defenders when they were losing three zero. So he was either trying to stifle any more goals did he or... re- i didn't even notice that i had i saw when a pulisic came in in the 63rd minute yeah so pulisic came in and then in the 77th he brought off he brought off mount he brought off an attacking player and put in ben chilwell ben chilwell is a defender and then he took off raheem sterling in the 80 whatever minute when was havertz Kula... havertz was still in the game uh pretty sure he never came out okay what yeah, is havertz doing out. Nothing. He's literally nothing. He's a Havertz, ghost on the field. Havertz and Mount cannot be on the, on the pitch at the same time. Those two do not work well together. They don't work well individually. Like, what is happening? Tuchel, I just... Tuchel, if you want to come on this pod, we'll have we'll make time for you. We will do it on your schedule. We just, we just want to know what you see in Havertz. If you could just break this down for us. I want to know what he sees in Connor Gallagher over Pulisic. Oh my god, I could not believe that at all. Like, put... It, it's not a hard choice. Take out Gallagher, put in Pulisic. Don't put in Loftus Cheek. Put Kukurea back where he belongs. Not up high. Like, what are you doing? 
his entire just lineup was god awful. He got it all wrong. Yeah, it was and, just bad. Yeah, and groundskeepers. I will say we are obviously saying many negative things about Chelsea. Neither one of us is worried long term about Chelsea. <laughs> I, I feel like we need to say that at this point, with considering we just went on a bit of a tirade against them. We think they'll be fine long term. End of season, they'll still be top four. However, we just I don't think they will anymore. I'm sorry, what? I don't think the Chelsea makes top four this year. Do you think Arsenal kicked them out? If they keep playing like they do, if if Chelsea keep playing like they played against Leeds, top four is out of the question. That's a hot take. That is sizzling. That's right. like fa- that's fajita hot. Right now, I would take like I would take Newcastle and even Leeds to make top four before Chelsea if they keep playing the way they are. I I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> I was not prepared for this. You don't have to respond. I'll say, I'm going to say two more things about this whole Leeds-Chelsea game, and then you can have the floor for the rest. First thing, 87 minute, Jesse Marsh, all he kept doing was urging his players to keep pressing, to keep the energy, and not give Chelsea so much as an inch to do anything. Anything. And I think that is amazing. But one thing I'll say, and, and this is why I think it's amazing, did you happen to see the score of the Dortmund and Werder Bremen game? Uh, no. There's only one team I really care about in Bundesliga. Okay, I know. But we you look at other scores, I'm sure. In, either way, at 88 minutes, Dortmund was up 2-0. The game ended roughly five minutes later. Guess who won that game? Not Dortmund. Werder Bremen, 3-2. They scored three goals in the last like five to six minutes of the game. So Jesse Marsh telling his players not to ease up is 100% amazing. And I love that he is not sitting back even when he's up three goals on a team like Chelsea. I think this team is going to fight against every other team in the Premier League. I don't know if this will be able to last an entire season, right? Like this is high energy for 90 minutes. That's tough to do over an entire season. I don't know if they have the depth to pull this off. That'll be interesting to see. And But I am excited. I can't wait to see where they go. Leeds right now is a definitely a contender for at least making it to Europa League. I would give him that. I don't know if I can go for top four yet. And with that, we can probably go to our next match with, which honestly you and I don't have nearly as much enthusiasm for as we did for Leeds or Chelsea. In fact, I would go so far as to say we don't, we don't even have half of the enthusiasm for this match as we do for Leeds. It's hard to have enthusiasm for a West Ham team that is underperforming so heavily that they're not even fun to watch now mind you brighton has been semi well i don't think they've been fun to watch they beat us but they started the season very like quite well considering i mean they're fifth place seven points out of three games so that's not too bad i would say i mean they got they won the game 2-0 but it just wasn't like it wasn't fun but let's give West Ham didn't have a shot on target in the first half. You cannot win a match like that. No, you you can't. You you can't win a match without shooting the ball. Did you see that West Ham, their last 10 Premier League games, they have lost eight of them? That's sad. I have no fun facts because everything's just a sad fact. We need to start having a sad fact segment in this show. I I have a fun fact about West Ham. Attendance record for their their game was the highest of all the match week. They had the no. highest attendance record of any game. No, it wasn't. They did. It was like 
I think 62,000. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Was this their home opener? Um, that's a good question. But yeah, London Stadium attendance just shy of 63,000 most of any game this. All right, so I have multiple questions about this. One, was it their home opener? Two, do they just ha- of all the home teams this weekend, do they have the biggest stadium? We need a fact checker. Where is this assistant? I'm pretty sure they don't. I'm pretty sure um Wembley's the biggest or Old Trafford. But we'll come, also we'll, come, we'll circle back to that one. Also, Old Trafford was on a Monday. True. We don't even have they don't even have an attendance for it. It just says NA. <laughs> and it was packed. I was the, surprised. The entire Manchester. We, we, we don't need to we don't we'll come to that. We don't don't get me started on it or I'll keep going. <laughs> All right. Do you have anything actually about this game? I'm worried about West Ham long term with this team. I don't I don't necessarily know if I'm worried relegation wise. I just I'm just worried about this team. They're not making shots they they're not fun to watch there isn't a lot of hope for them right now no i mean there's not a whole lot of hope for them right now um let's see one th- one thing i wanted to note though so they're in the europa league or europa conference league qualifying right now they have won that game they won the first leg for that actually three to one handily and they the people that i had mentioned last week um jared bowen Mik- michael antonio they both scored in this game. So where are they at all? Like, where are they in the Premier League? Why are they not scoring? We know that they can. We know that we've seen them do it before. I've said that about every single time we've talked about West Ham when we've previewed and when we've kind of gone over their matches. But they just are not that fun to watch. They just, yeah, it's, I've, I'm flabbergasted at this West Ham team that did pretty well last year. I, on the other hand, am worried about relegation for them. It's not, they have no points. They're negative five on goal differential. They don't even look like a team. They look less like a team in the last three games than Manchester United did the first two games. I need to give it another week or two because of how well they did last year. And so I would at least like to not completely put them in relegation zone in my head. Okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Although here's here, they did just sign... Um, Emerson Palmieri from Chelsea. So they got a defender. Probably not necessarily what they need because they definitely need someone who can finish the ball. Yeah, I was going to say, um, how does that help on the offense? That's a great question. But let's at least they brought someone in because I know that that has been something of a question, an up in the air, like question mark for them. But like, are they going to actually bring in more players? So there we go. They brought somebody in. Let's see if it does anything. Let's see. Actually. Let's just see if it helps them not get scored on. And with that, I think it's time to move on to the next match because we really don't have much to say about the West Ham Brighton match. Really don't. All right, let's talk about Newcastle versus Man City. I'm uh, nope. Let me t- let me start. I didn't get two two draw correctly, but damn it, I got the draw. And you take that credit. You take it. Pew pew pew. So the match Good was draw. three to three. Did you happen to wa- to watch when the teams were walking onto the pitch? No. Oh my God! Absolute electric factory. The song pumping through the speakers, the black and white flags everywhere. What's great about their color scheme, Newcastle, is that because they're black and white, it's super easy for the fans in the stadium to match the each other and the team, and it's easy to bring in things like flags. All one one thing. I'm just gonna say this right off the bat. Holy moly, Nick Pope. Oh, dude, Nick Pope, Lord, looks... and, Lord and Savior. Which is it's. Difficult for anyone to say that considering three goals were let in. However, 
that's how much he was still that's how important he still was to this team in this match i think i brought it up last week about how dean henderson for nottingham forest isn't even a call-up or on the current england squad but nick pope is and after after seeing what happened versus newcastle he definitely he he should be there probably their starter i not i don't think jordan pickford should that that's for another match another day we'll uh, talk about that for the world cup but for right now I, quickly before the rest of this game i noted newcastle's coach he's wearing a a schmedium polo <laughs> i did not even notice that and i'm not sure if someone should tell him that or if, if that's just the style that he likes because we're not here to shame anyone if you feel comfy in your clothes you feel comfy in your clothes right we are a body positive podcast but it was right. a schmedium with emphasis on the sh I am literally going and looking up the highlights on YouTube right now just so I can see the schmedium. I don't know if they're going to show the coach. They, I've seen Pep already. So for the first goal of this match, great ball in by Silva to Gundogan. All credit to that ball by Silva. Oh, my God. Being able to pick out Gundogan like a marksman. Damn, that was impressive. I don't know how he managed to do that. It Honestly, the first opening... 10 15 minutes was so much fun the so much fun to watch man city sticking to their strategy of possession we know that's what they love to do but i was watching the players on the front line for city they were all breaking towards goal every chance they got they were just hoping that the midfield was going to send them a through ball and that all their training would help and prepare them for this moment um i was a bit con- i was a little bit concerned about foden in the 13th minute, he had a shot on goal. But the easier, smarter play would have been to play the ball across the box to Holland. At, I was starting to wonder if Holland would be able to keep his cool or if he's going to become increasingly frustrated with his teammates as the season goes on because they weren't force-feeding him the ball. And he's used to being having the ball just force-fed to him. So that is going to be interesting to see if over the course of a season – He'll be able to keep his his cool, his composure. Now, granted, it'll probably help that City's going to win a lot of games, and as we know, winning fixes everything. Winning but does I think fix that, everything. I think that's something to note as we move forward. One of these days, we'll stop interrupting each other. Nope. <laughs> also, can confirm Eddie Howe is wearing a schmedium. <laughs> the man, you can see his dad bought abs through that shirt. Again, we are a body positive podcast. Yeah, you know what? Good for you, Eddie Yao, but like still a little small. I wish I had that confidence, okay? I bet his armpits chafed. <laughs> um, okay, back, so back to this match. Back to the game. Yeah. Man City, as you said, possessed. They I was looking at uh their stat sheet. They doubled Newcastle in every possible stat you can pretty much have in the game. Touches, it, possession, except shots, except goals. I did say almost. I so I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on Bernardo, Bernardo Silva right now because I think it will be stupid for City to make to let him leave. I think that he is way too pivotal and way too much of a playmaker in their midfield. Granted, they do have Kevin De Bruyne, but I think Bernardo Silva is a little piece of magic, and I I don't want to see him leave City. I mean, I actually maybe he should leave City because then that'll help us in the future. For the, for the team, I think he needs to stay. I think that this team is very good. What they've got going right now is they so what they lost drop points to Newcastle. Boo hoo, they'll be fine. Credit to Newcastle for this game. 
because I think that I mentioned in the preview that if they took advantage of the way that City presses high, they would be able to do quick long balls and quick through balls and get their get their forwards in behind. And they did just that many, many times. You know, scored off of more than one of them. You know who I was very impressed by in this match? The patron saint of the castle, Saint Maximin. This man was always involved for Newcastle. Every lead up to any goal scoring opportunity, he was there. He was orchestrating. I I swear, I think every single time they made it to the offensive third, he had the ball at least once. Like, this man played so well. He's not going to show up on a lot of stat sheets, but he is the man. He does so well. You can tell how much this team feeds off of him. I was so impressed. Stellar. Absolutely stellar in this game. And I mean, he had three shots. He had one on target. He had two assists this game. So he was involved a lot. And he he was like a Leeds player, honestly, in my opinion. He was always running, running hard, running fast. It was fun to watch him play. One thing I will touch on is that I was glad that City didn't just give up after going down two goals. Because a lot of teams will. A lot of teams that are not at City's level will give up. Even big teams. I mean, Chelsea gave up. They just gave up. Chelsea was, they were non-existent. I don't know if Chelsea gave up or Leeds took their hope. Leeds extracted every ounce of hope from Chelsea that could have ever possibly been there. Or Leeds, did Leeds press, suppress? So I was, I was, it was good to see that they didn't just give up, say, well, we're down two goals. What are we going to do at this point? Um, And also you, I don't think we would ever see that from a pep side ever. The third, well, actually, the third goal for um, Newcastle, that free kick from Trippier. Oh, my God. Woof. World class. The only free kick I can think that was better so far this season was the James Madison one. Those are going to be like those. It'll be those two goals will be in contention for goal of the month without fail. There was so many great opportunities in this match for goals by for both teams it wasn't just one sided in that way which is part of the reason it was such a fun match to watch um and he, i gotta say groundskeepers well i do love a 3-3 match i also love when matches have actual defense in them and so sometimes i'm a little weary about 3-3 matches because while they're fun offensively you know i still want teams to play defense but this game had a little bit of everything <laughs> i gotta say um pope stepped up huge he had that st- he stopped Holland on a one-on-one. But Big there, stop. There was one thing I did notice about Pope. He was anticipating through balls being played to Holland, and therefore he came out early to get those balls. To make sure two things. One, he beat Holland. But two, he also wanted to ensure that Holland couldn't tap the ball by Pope and therefore have Pope foul Holland and cause a penalty kick. And I'm wondering if in the future teams are going to note this strategy that goalies might start implementing and start shooting it to keep the goalie honest. I feel like that's what you need to do if you know they're going to try to force feed a ball like that to someone like Holland who can take you one-on-one and probably score most of the time. I'm just saying it looked like someone took Pope's controller and held Y or triangle until he came out. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I probably would have done that, but I would have got scored on. Yeah, Uh, De Bruyne... Can we just talk about how magical this man is? These through balls that he's finding to his teammates. How does he even find these passing lanes? The one he had to Silva. I think he nutmegged a player in front of him. But yep. it's always like a quick no look. 
Because De Bruyne, when he gets the ball, he evaluates the field and then doesn't give you any insight onto where that ball is about to go. And he does it very well. And those through balls, man, they are so deadly. They really are. And when I one thing I noted about that entire like passage of play to that third goal for City was that it was almost the exact same play that they did in previous games. Someone standing up above the 18 with the ball and then another individual making a darting run from one of the corners of the box. It was literally a carbon copy of one of the goals from the previous game. So that is straight from their training ground. Mm-hmm. And it was it is executed so well. And yeah, the pass from De Bruyne, oh my gosh. I, I, I watched the replay back because I, I wanted to see what the heck just what happened. And it just could not have been more inch perfect. And no one knew where it was going. No one thought, oh, there's about to be a guy flying in from the, the right-hand side of the box. Did you see that uh, Sova, when he shot, he didn't even look up. He just shot and hoped that the angle he took would go past the goalie. Yeah, I do. I do remember that because when I when I saw the slow motion, I was like, oh, man, that was a little bit gutsy because he didn't. Yeah, he didn't look up. He didn't necessarily know. But I mean, obviously, he knew what the heck he was doing, but it was very close to just being hitting the post. Speaking of gutsy, Trippier and his tackle. Very gutsy. Originally, this was called a red card, so it was a straight red for Trippier. VAR told the ref to check the monitor, which I think is essentially the ultimate go look at it again and make a different call. Because why else would VAR tell a referee to take a second look? But the referee did change his mind. He went from a red to a yellow. Honestly, I would have been fine with either. I could see the argument for both. Trippier, when he made the tackle... His cleat was higher up. It was about De Bruyne's knee length, knee height, but it wasn't studs up. The studs were clearly facing down. So honestly, I would have been fine if he had, if the referee had kept that straight red because there's no reason Trippier needs to put his leg that high up for a tackle. Yeah, I, I was definitely split on the, the overturn because it was definitely high and wasn't going for the ball considering the ball was on the ground. When they were showing the replay, even... There were city players that were basically saying, like, you shouldn't have a red. Like, they were kind of siding with him. And honestly, I think I think one of the city players went up to the rep and kind of told him no. Like, yeah. I mean, De Bruyne was fine. Everyone was fine. I think, here's the thing. If De Bruyne had been injured, I think that would have been a different story. And a and contact causing an injury should never determine the color of the card coming out from the referee. Straight from the referee's mouth. Damn right. But honestly, I don't have much else for this game. It was super fun. Both teams are going to be so much fun to watch this season. Um, every match I'm watching to see how City incorporates Holland into their strategy for the day because sometimes they force feed him, and other times the players aren't even looking his way. So I think that's been kind of fun to watch. Newcastle is obviously a good time. <laughs> They're doing so well. They're involved in many transfer rumors, so we'll see if they can sign anyone else quickly. And... Yeah, I'm excited to see where both these teams go the rest of the season. Definitely also excited. But on to the, the best game. Okay, hold on. Week. Hold on. I'm going to enter this game. I'm going <laughs> to say two sentences. I'm going to say the score. I'm going to say one sentence, and then I'm going to let you have some fun. All right, are you ready for this? Manchester United versus Liverpool. Man United 2, Liverpool 1. I don't know if there are enough words in a thesaurus to describe the joy United fans felt watching their team 
beat Liverpool. Andrew, this is your team. This was your happy moment. Please take the floor. I don't even know where to start. Actually, let's start at the elephant in the room, and it was the possession stat. Manchester United did not have a whole lot of it, which honestly, fine with me. They they only had 29% of the possession the entire game, which again, fine. They're still kind of, everyone's getting used to this new system, which as we know, they did change the lineup for this game. Thank God. Everyone's getting used to a new coach. He made a lot of changes to the lineup this, this week. There was no Ronaldo. There was no Maguire. There was no Fred. There was no Luke Shaw in the starting lineup. Some pretty big names left out. I think those were very smart moves because he brought in um, players like Alanga, Malasia. He even he put Fred er, Erickson and McTominay together in the midfield, with I, which I thought actually worked out decently well. And then he put in Rashford as our solo striker, which I thought he did fantastic. And then they put Jaden Sancho out on the other side, which also fantastic. Both teams did start the entire game high energy. They were both very fun to watch. It was actually nice to see, even without having a lot of possession, nice to see United actually passing the ball and moving the ball around and keeping the ball. That was actually quite nice to see for once. And then at 16 minutes, my heart skipped many beats because United got their very first goal of the season. And hot damn, what a good team goal it was. What a brilliant piece of skill from Jaden Sancho, who received the final ball. He put big grandpa James Milner on the floor, pretty much in the middle of like four or five defenders, kept his cool, and just passed the ball into the back of the net. No one could do anything about it. And I'm so glad that we finally scored. And I'm I'm glad it was him. I'm glad that Jaden Sancho is finally getting a goal again because he hasn't done a whole lot for his whole high price tag. Can I can I take us back to school real quick for a minute? Yeah. It's on it's on Sancho's goal. Um there's two actual lessons to learn out of this goal, both committed by Liverpool on the same play about 5 seconds apart from each other. The first one, Milner. What are you doing? You Sancho got the ball and he I guess you could call it a cutback, but really you just kind of put the you just like move the ball. The shot. You just like move the ball put a little bit. on the ground. What Milner? Why were you sliding to try to block the shot? You weren't even that far away from Sancho either. You could have just kind of stepped up. <laughs> like I don't know what you were thinking. And after you got, I don't even know what the word is, but you should retire after that. Sit down, son. Van Dyke literally just stared at Sancho. He got there- a front row seat to the Sancho goal. <laughs> There's about a hundred memes. <laughs> have you seen these yet of Van Dyke and what he's doing? Like the groundskeepers, pause this. Look it up. Look up the Van Dyke memes real quick. They're they are great. But he just watched Sancho. Like he didn't step up to him. He didn't try to block the shot. He didn't try to get closer to block off like a shooting lane. He just stood there. And I was dumbfounded. Like Van Dyke, you're allegedly one of the best defenders in the world. And that was your decision in that moment? Like what? I'm so confused. At least Milner attempted to block the shot. He attempted to do something good for the team. You were just there. He was just there, and again, front row seat, best, couldn't got a better seat in the house to watch that goal go in. But one thing to note, it was so nice to see pace, speed, pressing, and actual energy from United this week. They may have not put together the best 90-minute performance, but they had a heart. They had, I I noted it later in, in my notes, 
they looked like a team. They were communicating with each other. They were, and this is, may sound dumb, but they were high-fiving each other. <laughs> they were actually boosting each other up, not just going quiet and silent when someone messes up. They were holding, and also holding each other accountable when they messed up. And not in and not in a way of just badgering someone or putting them down. They were being like constructive about it. You could see it on the field with how they looked, with their attitudes. And Mateo has a question. I do have a comment. question for you. Do you think this has anything to do with the extra eight point five miles they had to run the other day? I would hope so. <laughs> uh, groundskeepers, if you don't know, in Man United's previous match, they were outrun on the field by eight point five miles. The other team ran 8.5 miles more than United. So, United's manager, Ten Hag, he canceled an off day for the team and made them run 8.5 miles to make up for the distance that they were outrun by. And honestly, I fucking loved it. That is a good coach <laughs> telling his team what they did was unacceptable, raising the bar, telling them exactly what the standard is. Also, I heard one report that he ran with them. I don't know if that's true. I need someone to confirm this. If he ran with them, I think that would instill even more confidence in him as a man as a manager for them because he's not sitting there just being like, "Fuck you guys, cracking the whip." He's he's like, "All right, we're we're going to live and die and breathe as a team." So, I would if if that's true, yeah. That's off. He the joined them in that punishment. I'm I see multiple reports saying this. Good. I think that is a I think that's a very good thing. I like that a lot, actually. I didn't, I didn't hear that. Didn't even know about it. Um, I'm gonna get back to this so I can like keep getting excited. One stat that I would like to throw out is in the 304 home matches that Manchester United have had, they have never lost at home when leading at halftime. They have won 281 games and drew the rest, but they have never lost when leading at halftime in Old Trafford ever. That's actually impressive. And for and for once this season, you can call it the theater of dreams and not didn't feel like the theater of nightmares. Speaking of of nightmares, did you have a quick horror moment when Fernandez almost scored an own goal? Oh my god, I shit my pants. <laughs> when he he fired that back at Martin Martinez harder than people shoot the ball normally. What was I he about doing? A, I about had a poo. Was I don't I don't know what he was doing. I think he was trying to clear it and he whiffed it and the ball like went per went straight went. into his own goal almost. I thought it was going I thought it was an own goal. I 100% thought it was an own goal. Martinez oh, oh wow. I know I was looking it up after the game. Rashford was man of the match, which I don't disagree that he did a fantastic job, but my man of the match was Lissandro Martinez. Um I what what a complete fucking performance from the Five foot nine central defender. Yeah, I heard he can't play central defender because while football is one of those sports where your height actually doesn't matter that much, it doesn't hinder your ability to play the sport or any position besides goalie. I heard he he's not going to be good enough to play uh, a center back position because as we as we know famously, center backs must be at least six four to play with their feet. You're right. There. I don't I I can't think of any center back that is under that height that it was a really good player. Oh wait, I can. Groundskeepers, you've all heard of Barcelona, the good and the bad. Let me tell you about a man named Carlos Puyol, one of arguably the best central defenders of all time. I love that man. I loved him too. I I, I loved watching him. He was part of the reason I switched to being a defender when I was younger because I loved watching him play defense. Now, groundskeepers, let me tell you how tall this man is. He is a whopping 
five foot ten, and the man he bossed the Barcelona defense. He tore other teams apart. People didn't score on this Barcelona defense that he basically captained for ten plus years. So I think Martinez is going to be just fine at five foot nine when he gave probably one of the best defensive performances I've seen from a single player on United in a long time. He put his head on the ball more than the people who are over six feet tall. I will say uh, your manager made the absolute correct decision in benching McGuire. He has not been performing for quite some time now, and I don't understand these managers who keep sticking with certain players just because of some name or a contract. At some point, you just got to realize if a player's not performing well, you put his bum on the bench. Like, it, it's simple math. Not playing Bums well equals, yeah, not playing well equals don't get to play anymore. <laughs> and Harry Maguire should be on the bench. I think, I right now, I think that between Varane and Martinez, I think they are a, five, a absolutely great center back pairing because, A, they're both fast. They're both smart. Maguire is neither fast nor all that smart half the time. He is like a giant fridge, like a fridge from the 90s. It doesn't work. I would like to... Um... Go back real quick to you talking about Rashford being man of the match. His goal was very impressive. While some on this pod have been very critical of him in previous matches for missing chances, I would like to give him full credit for this goal. One-on-one with the goalie. He was at about the top of the 18, and he shot near post, which most players would have gone far post. And what a finish. He did so well with that. He told the keeper with his eyes that he was going to go far post. He lied to the keeper, and he went near post. And I have to give him credit for that. He stepped up, stepped up to our personal challenge for him of doing better and not missing those chances with the goalie. I'm very proud of him. Great friend of the pod. He did give a man of the match performance. And like, like I had said about the Newcastle City game, about them playing balls over the top and pressing, that's what Manchester United were doing to Liverpool. They were pressing them high. They were pressing them quickly. And they were looking for some of those balls over the top. And one of those was a ball to Rashford and it was inch perfect and so was he in this situation but let's just say this Liverpool didn't play a a bad game I won't say that they were horrid they possessed the ball for the majority of the game but they didn't capitalize on their chances and that's honestly because United's defense and their defensive play as a team was very good for once this season they actually looked like a defensive unit and not just people running around with their heads cut off well their best defensive I guess skill you could say is holding on to the ball for quite a while actually um, especially in the case of Fernandez who wasted so much time after Liverpool had scored groundskeepers if you had not seen this Liverpool scored Uh, credit by the way to I believe it was Salah for that that goal he did a good job following up the ball for the rebound actually I think he said I think I said he would score in this match too so he scores and Fernandez goes into the goal to pick up the ball and he just holds it, and he prevents the Balls. ball. No, he, he prevents the ball from going back to half field. And by preventing the ball from going back to half field, he is having the clock wind down, and he is he is wasting the clock. Therefore, he is time wasting. And somehow, and then he faked an eye injury, which was great. And somehow, he poked his eye out. Somehow, he did not get a yellow for this. He one thousand percent deserved a yellow card, which would have been a second yellow, which means he actually would have been ejected from the match. The referee absolutely messed up on this one. He had no control of the teams at this moment, and you all should have finished the match with 10 men. And I, I don't wholeheartedly disagree that it was time-wasting, but I also would say that had the Liverpool players not come and try to more or less 
attack him to get the ball, he wouldn't have probably kept holding it and get, trying to get away from them for as long as he did. Because, yes, he did have the ball in his arm, and he was starting to walk towards the halfway he line. He doesn't need to walk. But it doesn't matter. He doesn't need to you walk. Know if you know the other way around, any other team is going to do close to the exact same thing. Oh, and this exact same thing would happen no matter who it is. But it's exactly. time-wasting, and it's a yellow card, and it should be every time. He. The only reason it got to the point of time-wasting is because the Liverpool players kept trying to basically molest him to get the ball back. Oh, don't be dramatic about this. They would have just left this. him alone. He would have walked himself up to half field. In five minutes. It wouldn't have been five minutes because, you know, at that point, the referee would have said to hurry up. But still, if the if the Liverpool players hadn't have costed him like they did. Oh, don't be dramatic in defending Bruno now. No drama here. This man wasted so much time. die for this team. When Liverpool went to he get the ball from him. He wasted time because of the Liverpool players. No, when he Liverpool. wasted more time because of it. When Liverpool came to him to get that ball, he should have just given it to them. He should have just been like, okay, cool. I don't have to walk back. It saves me time. But no. And also, he doesn't need to walk anything back. He's a professional football player. He can kick the ball back to half field if he really wanted to. The man 1,000% deserves a yellow card. You, Your fan bias, so. your fan vision is Not completely on bias. right now. And I'm a little ashamed that you're on this pod with me. Not fan bias. If the Liverpool players hadn't accosted him, he would have got the ball up to half field quicker. He would have gotten it up there in like 10 minutes. Groundskeepers. Your time, your time keeps increasing. Groundskeepers do not listen to this man. Anyways, start keeping moving an, on start from this. I'm keeping an eye on time-wasting just because of this. And I'm going to watch how much Everton waste time if they actually, actually if they ever Everton win. can't <laughs> waste time because they're never winning. <laughs> now, can I talk about Van Dyke real quick? This is my last point yes. of this match. He did not have a very good match. He seemed very disinterested in this match. You and I have talked off pod before. I am not the biggest Van Dyke fan. I believe he is quite overrated. And... I was wondering what your thoughts were about him, if you believe he's a tad overrated. Um, and also, I would just like to say I'm concerned about this Liverpool defense in general because we already know they have a liability in Trent Alexander-Arnold. And if Van Dyke isn't interested, because I still think he's a good defender, I just don't think he's the best. If he has a bad match, that's literally half their defense that's a liability for the match. Honestly, a lot of the Liverpool squad looked a little disinterested in this game, but his defending was pretty poor. For the majority of the game, yes, there were moments where he absolutely stopped any kind of attacking press from United, and if he didn't, then then something bad probably would have happened. Like we would have scored more. I think that he, with his big transfer fee, he did pretty well the first like couple of years he came in. But he, I feel like he's maybe been brought down to earth because there are other other defenders out there that are better than him. There are other squads with attacking players that can kind of put him on skates we saw Zaha do that when they played Crystal Palace so I think that they definitely need to maybe I mean maybe get more defenders because yeah you're right if if he has a shit game we know that Alexander Arnold isn't going to do any any defending (laughs) we saw him get got beat quite a few times against us in the game against United and yeah they don't really have many other players (laughs) because honestly putting Joe Gomez in goal or in, in goal in defense for them was kind of a joke he is to me, not a smart person to put back there because he's not consistent at all. I think he is definitely a liability for them. I will actually, I'll, I'll run that back a little bit because when they put him in in the Crystal Palace game, he actually gave them more freedom to go forward because he stayed back so much. That actually helped. But I think how he was played in this game was not a good point for the whole entire team. But yeah, seriously, if they if Van Dyke does bad, Alexander-Arnold isn't, isn't dependable. Like They really don't have much going for him. I completely agree, obviously. 
um, we do actually have a clop out for this episode. We do have a clop out. Andrew, would you like to give the clop out? We, we can I'll en- give the clop out. We can end this episode with the clop out. End with the clop out. So, folks, our good friend Jurgen Klopp loves his excuses, loves them. He said at the end of this game, we lost 2-1 because the watch just ran down without any real football. Sir, Jurgen, semi-good friend of this podcast. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He's still a good friend of this podcast. Nevertheless, you're telling me that there was no good football this entire match? None at all? From either team? You're telling me that Liverpool has never, never, ever wasted time during a match that they've been ahead? I can tell you, as a avid football fan and watcher of most games on the weekends, that Liverpool have definitely wasted their fair share of time with Klopp giggling and smiling on the sidelines and telling them to slow down. Sir, you didn't lose because the watch ran down. You lost because you got outplayed a little bit. You got outplayed when it mattered, and you couldn't finish your chances. You didn't lose because of time. You lost because you sucked. Friends, uh, my co-host Andrew over here is a bit dramatic today. (laughs) He finally knows what a win feels like. And so he's trying to milk every second of it. This but. this is why we as a community cannot have cannot let United have nice things because they don't know what to do with it. But it is only one game that we won. This is these are this is literally in my notes. It's only one game. United need to be consistent. There needs to be consistency from the squad because as we saw from the first two games, if they can't put anything together, they are going to get demolished. And I don't think I can go through two more weeks of that again. And with that, we're out. Thank you, everyone, for listening to us again for another episode of Inside the Grounds Pod. We hope you enjoyed this just as much as we hope you enjoyed all of them. Please continue giving us feedback so we can improve this pod and hopefully one day quit our real jobs to do this full time. Because let me tell you, this is already taking up like at least enough hours for a part-time gig. And, you know, I'm not getting paid for it. So I would like to at least get paid <laughs> for working this, this many hours. Andrew, do you have anything you want to say to our, to our fellow friends? Thanks very much, Groundskeepers, for joining us on today's pod. As always, go to the Instagram at Inside the Grounds Pod. Share it with your friends. Share it with your loved ones. Send it to a random person. Try to brighten their day. Bye, friends. Bye, friends. Yeah.